The world's largest social network has assembled an elite team. Its mission? To protect the 2018 U.S. midterms and avoid the mistakes of 2016. Today, we go inside Facebook's election war room. This is TikTok. I'm Dave Myers. Joining me now is the anchor of Bloomberg Technology and one of the journalists recently given a sneak peek into Facebook's war room, Emily Chang. Emily, thanks for joining us. David, thank you so much for having me. So describe this room. Is this something like an underground military bunker where important secrets are kept? Actually, it's more like an office space in uh, Facebook headquarters where, you know, at any given time, you've got 20 or 30 Facebook employees. Now, these could be engineers or data scientists or cyber or policy specialists. Basically, they want various teams represented, and what they're doing is troubleshooting. They're looking for fake accounts. They're looking for misinformation. They're looking for any unusual activity. Facebook calls it, quote-unquote, coordinated, inauthentic behavior. And what the goal is, 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 is to see this kind of activity before it goes viral, before mm-hmm. it gets out of hand. And have they spotted anything or did they point out anything that they have spotted that shows their work is, is, is working? Well, earlier this week, they, you know, you know, spotted a significant amount of activity ramping up going into the U.S. midterms from within the United States. And what was fascinating to me is that they said the greatest volume of activity when it comes to interfering in elections comes domestically. So wherever that election is, in whatever country that is, the greatest threat is actually from inside the country itself. Now, of course, with U.S. elections, we're particularly concerned about interference from Russia and interference from Iran. Facebook has taken down hundreds of accounts um, you know, tied to Russia, tied to Iran, um, but it's actually not the greatest volume of activity. However, interference from foreign actors, the way they de- describe it, is the most pernicious because you have a foreign actor trying to interfere in a country's public debate. Um, the reason that domestic activity is 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 so voluminous is because it's just a lot easier to understand the culture, uh, to understand the language, to understand you know how to best interfere, how to best sort of stir up unrest. Um, so you know they are both problematic, but I think the idea that you know most of this is coming from within the United States itself gets lost. So you mentioned that they all all sorts of people working on this project. Is this a 24/7 global project? It is a 24-7 global project. So leading up to the U.S. midterms, we're now a few weeks out. It's staffed physically from about 4 a.m. to midnight. And then in that four-hour gap, it's staffed in you know other offices around the globe. As we get closer to days before the midterms elections, there will be people in there 24 hours. But, um, you know, there's a very concrete uh, known escalation chain in place. I mean, you know, the goal was to get decision makers in the room so that the people in that room could make decisions as quickly as possible. But, you know, if for some reason something is very serious and it needs to be escalated higher, um, there are various chains of command that, that um, those follow. Now, that could be Mark or Cheryl. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if something needs to go to Mark or Cheryl, it will go to Mark or Cheryl and they are Facebook says, perfectly prepared to make decisions in those situations. Now, when you say Mark and Cheryl, you obviously mean Mark Zuckerberg and Cheryl Sandberg. What type of event would it have to be to get on their desk? You know, you can never be quite sure. And, you know, I don't think even Facebook knows because, you know, a lot of a lot of this is unknown. A lot of this is new territory, you know. It was fascinating just going back to that day after the 2016 election where Mark Zuckerberg literally said, I think the idea that Facebook or fake news influenced the election is crazy. Personally, I think 
the the idea that you know fake news on Facebook, uh, of which you know it's a it's a very small amount of of, um, of the content, uh, influenced the the election in any way. I think is a, a pretty crazy idea. You know, they had no idea or were in, you know, some sort of denial that Facebook could have had a big influence on the election. And then, of course, we saw what happened after. And, of course, Facebook has apologized. We didn't take a broad enough view of our responsibility. And that was a big mistake. And it was my mistake. And I'm sorry. And now they've thrown all of these human and, and technological resources at this problem. But uh, the, 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 the difficult challenge here is that they're always going to be they're always going to be bad actors. There are always going to be um, perpetrators who are trying to be one step ahead, and sometimes they, they are one step ahead, and that means Facebook doesn't always know exactly what threat it's up against. So they have this large team globally looking for these type of threats, that they're, and they're not sure exactly what they look like, but it's not all just human beings. There's got to be a, a machine element to this, right? Totally. Uh, Facebook has been investing heavily in AI, heavily in cybersecurity. I mean, we certainly cannot expect mere mortals to do this all themselves. And, you know, one of the specific things that they say they have improved on is that they can now, with the help of AI, spot a fake account almost upon creation and get that account, um, you know, deleted before it is able to accomplish very much at all. So that has been one of the huge benefits of AI. Now, that said, there is an indefinite amount of nuance in, in terms of, well, what content does and doesn't violate policies? You know, Facebook is very specific about certain things, so they've just come out with this new uh, list of guidelines when it comes to content around voter suppression. So uh, if there's any uh, misinformation about how to vote or whether your vote will count, uh, Facebook will take that down. Basically, everything else is going to third-party fact-checkers who hmm. have to decide whether it's true or false, because Facebook has always been very hesitant to label anything yeah. as true or false. And, you know, if a third party determines that, you know, there's untruth here, it gets downranked. It doesn't actually get removed from the site. So you, it might be at the bottom of your news feed, but you have to scroll down to see it. Um, now, the problem is, you know, that there's a lot of human judgment involved in that. And AI is certainly not sophisticated enough to make that judgment. Mm -hmm. And then what about the things that are just partially untrue or that lack context? I mean, there is so much nuance here that, um, you know, Facebook doesn't like to say that these decisions are complicated, but really they are complicated and they go to sort of the very core of what is dividing America now as a society. So, you know, speaking of a divided America, you know, we head to the polls uh, next month uh, for the midterm elections, but before the U.S. midterm elections, there's a big election in Brazil. Have they been watching that at all in the war room? Absolutely. So you go into the war room, you see American flags, and you see Brazilian flags. So they also have this team of people looking at activity in Brazil. Um, there was an election in Brazil uh, a few days ago, and there was a lot of misinformation there, despite Facebook's best efforts. Um, so, you know, the Brazilian elections, uh, there's a runoff election coming up. It's something that they are watching very closely. Speaking of people watching, I imagine Washington is watching this very closely. Um, what are they saying about Facebook's efforts right now? You know, Congress has come down pretty hard on Facebook. You know, unfortunately, part of the problem is, you know, we saw initially when Mark Zuckerberg testified that 
lawmakers didn't really quite understand even how Facebook worked. Uh, you know, I think they have certainly learned. Um, and then we saw Sheryl Sandberg uh, testifying as well, and the questions from lawmakers were better. I interviewed Representative Mike Quigley, who's on the House Intelligence Committee, who said that, you know, Facebook was woefully unprepared, they were slow to react, they didn't quite understand that this really was a threat on democracy. But from his perspective, he believes that Facebook is now acting. They do now understand how important this is and that ultimately it's going to be up to the public to decide when they see these posts if they believe they're true or false. And the public should certainly be aware, in his view, that misinformation is out there and out there in spades. But, you know, the reality is it, it, it's very unrealistic to expect individual users to be able to identify mm -hmm. this stuff, especially if we are living in our own social silos, which is the very way that Facebook operates. So you've got critics on the other side, whether that's um, you know, former Facebook employees who've come out uh, criticizing Facebook. You've got the, one of the WhatsApp founders who started the hashtag delete Facebook movement. Um, and you've got former investors like Roger McNamee who's saying it's the very way that Facebook alg algorithms work. They are using highly addictive technology to try to keep you mm -hmm. in this ecosystem. And their entire business model is based on polarization. Uh, and, and, and then by default, sort of anger and fear. That actually drives Facebook's business. Uh, you know, Facebook has definitely taken steps to sort of, um, you know, now they're showing you more personal content in the news feed and less news in the news feed to sort of get Facebook back to its roots of, you know, baby pictures and family photos. Um, <laughs> but in the end, they're, they're, you know, people are still sharing news content on Facebook. And in the end, we are still living in our own social bubbles. I mean, you could argue Facebook is only replicating the bubbles that we exist in in real life, but it's also um, amplifying it. But if, but if, the, if the country is divided and being divided is good for Facebook, how can Facebook then be trusted to fix the problem? Therein lies the fundamental question. You know, Facebook is balancing its business, a business where it's made a lot of money advertising to uh, users and, you know, playing off some of this anger, playing off some of this fear. Um, and yet you have people on the inside who you know, don't want to be responsible for undermining the election of the United States. They don't want to be responsible for the election of Donald Trump or the cannibalization of democracy. And so, you know, in a way, those things may be fundamentally at odds. And if Facebook doesn't want to decide what's true and what's false or give users more context, then, you know, we're relying on everybody else. And as we discussed, everybody else is divided. How do we know that Facebook and what they're doing in this war room is successful the days after uh, the midterm elections? Well, even Facebook says we won't know until after the elections, and uh, we'll see. Um, you know, they are working very closely with law enforcement agencies closer than they were before. They're sharing information. They're sharing tips. Um, now, if they can come back and say, you know, we stopped these hundreds of accounts before they got started, or we stopped, you know, this many misinformation campaigns, um, you know, that in itself could be a success. But at the same time, you know, it's still revealing that, fa that, that bad actors are trying to exploit Facebook's platform, uh, trying to weaponize Facebook's platform. And it's very difficult to constantly stay one step ahead of 
actors, whether they're foreign or domestic, who deliberately want to disrupt our democracy. Emily, thank you. Thanks, David. Make sure to check out Emily every weekday afternoon on Bloomberg TV and also follow her on Twitter. She's at Emily Chang TV. That's a TikTok for today. Thanks for listening. And please head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm Dave Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers. And you can get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok.